Hey, Hannah here. And in case you missed it, Morgan and I usually start every podcast recording session by grabbing our afternoon coffee, even if we're already a little overcaffeinated. And if you're looking for a way to support the podcast, you can now fuel us and the podcast by buying us a coffee. No, really. There's a website called buymeacoffee.com. And all you have to do is add a forward slash we pod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash W-I-I-P-O-D. We love creating the podcast. You love listening. And you can support the podcast financially by buying us a coffee. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Weight Inclusive Innovators. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting about how there are just some moments in entrepreneurship where we really just don't feel like being the boss and how that's totally normal. We have both had those kinds of weeks this week uh, and some recent weeks as well, which is why today we're just going to be checking in with our highs because you're going to hear about the lows of not wanting to be the boss during the episode. So hi, Hannah. I'm so here for talking about our highs to start. What were your highs of the week? Uh, I'm just feeling a lot of clarity. I guess that's, that's the word of the week is clarity. Um, and that's came with some hard conversations, which we'll talk about later, but I feel like I'm in a total four years into the practice, understanding my numbers, understanding what I can offer people and just thinking about my clarity and how good I feel about what we offer our team. And so I'm feeling clarity with compensation at the practice and how we're using our resources and profit margins and all that good stuff. Um, so that's like a high and that I'm going to keep writing and, I just feel like I'm good at this. My other high that kind of goes alignment with feeling like clarity is I'm leaning into my ideal schedule and it's feeling so good. It's changed a lot over the last year, especially. And if I look back in my Google calendar of like March, 2021, I'm like, oh my God, who was she? How did she do that? Um, but my current ideal schedule is no meetings until the afternoon, but definitely not until 11 most days done working by 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. So leaning into like a six to seven hour workday and half days on Friday. And this week I almost achieved that. We had one random meeting on at nine on a Wednesday, but going forward, it feels like we're hitting that and it feels so good. Yay. I feel like you've been talking about having like a six hour workday for a while now. So I love that you're you're like testing the waters with what that actually looks like. And hopefully we'll continue to be able to have that moving forward. It's so exciting. Yes. Yes. It's feeling very good. And it's giving me a lot of peace and a lot of boundaries. And it's also holding me accountable to be like, this is when I'm working. So work. Yeah. And that's important because if your work day is all day, that's when I can kind of get a little um, all over the place, delaying, procrastinating. That was me yesterday, but I blame that on having too much coffee. 
literally at nine o'clock last night, my brain was like, still like, just like racing with ideas. And I was like, dear God, please, please make it stop. Like, let me check some more water. So those are my highs. They're short and sweet. And like the foundation of what's helping me feel regulated. What were your highs this week? I'm so excited to talk about my highs this week because two really awesome things. Well, one already happened and one is happening. I had my very first coaching call with my business coach, my new business coach yesterday. This Ooh, tell us more. Who who well, you don't I have won't. to share who it well, is. So I, I will share a little bit. I have always been very hesitant to hire a business coach because it's expensive. Well, that, that is one, but I uh, feel very protective of my personality and my workflow and trying to find someone who uh, can equal parts, understand the visionary Enneagram seven side of me while also being able to provide some actual structure that doesn't feel limiting. Mm. I feel just, it, it just feels hard to find someone like that. I did some searches of like Enneagram seven business coaches, things like that. Nothing really came up. I really feared hiring someone that was in the like, this is what I did. So you can do it too. This worked for me. So you can do it too. Like camp. And uh, I, it was just the idea of investing money and not seeing an ROI just felt so scary to me, especially whenever my revenue is already not where I want it to be. And Mm. so I had reached out to Kendall, my copywriter, because I know she's pretty connected and asked her if she knew of anyone who was a business coach. And like, she's no, like we've known each other since 2020. And so three, about almost three years now. And so I feel like she knows me, knows my working style. We've worked together. Like just, I feel like if anyone would be able to pair me with a business coach that I didn't already know, and that wasn't in our space, like she would be it. And so she connected me with a coach named Laura. I uh, reached out to Laura like the second week of July. And then Kendall was like, oh, by the way, she's taking the whole month of July off to travel. (laughs) I was like, okay, my girl, this is a really good sign. And we had our discovery call. I think it was like the first day that she got back on August 1st. And it was a 45 minute discovery call. I felt so seen, so heard, so validated in everything that I did that I, um, like I took a day to think about it and then emailed her the next day to hire her. And we had our first 90 minutes kickoff call yesterday. And I have basically been on cloud nine ever since. Not only did I feel so supported during that call, it was kind of like a call where I just like, share everything about my life, my business, my goals, my dreams, my, where I've gone wrong, all of that with her, just so she has a really good understanding. Those are my favorite. Oh my God. Those calls. So fun. They're so fun. And I just feel like she really got me, but then like, I've just, I just like learned some things about her. She's like said a couple things that I was like, you truly get it. She lives in Honduras. She's a (laughs) scuba diver. She lives in Honduras and scuba dives. And then also does coaching. And so I'm like, love that. She doesn't believe in budgeting. <laughs> like she <laughs> believes in intuitive, intuitive budgeting, like as values-based spending. And just like throughout the whole conversation, she just, it was just like warm and welcoming and positive and forward thinking. And she was like, if you feel comfortable sharing numbers with me, like I love data, 
and I'm going to crunch some numbers. And I was like, dear God, please crunch some numbers because I hate crunching numbers. But if you crunch the numbers and you bring in data to our next session and you tell me about some data-driven business decisions that are not just me being a feelings girly and making decisions solely based on feelings, I would love that. And so that feels really good too. Ooh, we, we love the balance of like talking about hopes and dreams and getting philosophical and then just going straight for it with the jugular, with the data. Cause yeah, it is such a hard balance and it's sometimes more fun to be in this philosophical. Um, but the reality is like, and I think that's, what's cool about business. And you and I feel drawn to as well is some of it's objective and less emotional and that's really empowering. Yeah. So if that sounds like someone that you would want as a business coach, I will reach out to me. I will gladly share her information. I feel a little protective right now because like I've only had one call, um, but I signed a three month package with her. So we had the initial call and I have seven more one hour sessions. Woo. So I will keep everyone posted, but so far so good. And I'm just, I'm feeling really good finishing out the year with a business coach. I love that. I love that you're doing that. Um, you know, I'm a stand for business coaching. I know you are as well. And like we were talking about with our our crew and the accountability club, like people feel worried to spend the money or they've had really bad experiences. And that is a deterrent. Like there are people who should not be business coaching out there, um, but then there are really good ones. So if you're going to hire a business coach, vet them, they should offer you a free call that should be quite substantial. Like don't be giving high amounts of money away to just Joe Schmo who decided he's a business coach. Yep, absolutely. And then my other high is happening tomorrow. I am launching registration for the eating expedition, Northern Italy, 2024 trip. Yay! And uh, I have had a handful of people text me this week saying like, I'm for sure signing up or me and my partner are signing up or me and my three friends are signing up. And I'm like, holy shit, this is incredible. So that feels really good. There's also, I imagine people that are probably like lurking in the background that I haven't talked to, or they're like, don't have my phone number or don't have my email or anything like that. And yeah, I am very excited that this is happening. I feel like it sucks to have to cancel this year's trip, but lesson learned, people need more than nine months to plan for an international trip. And that is a okay. This is that pivoting that we love. I'm very excited for you. That's so awesome. And the trip is going to be amazing. Oh, I'm pumped. Anywho, all that to say, all the highs, the highest of highs. Are you ready to dive into today's episode of uh, not wanting to be the boss, the not so glamorous parts of being an entrepreneur? Let's do it. Uh, You know what inspired me to bring up this is I was listening to Tori Dunlop's podcast, Financial Feminist, we're a stand for Tori. She's the shit dream guest on the podcast. She is a 25. No, when she started, she was 25. When she kind of started blowing up, she's 29 now. Um, Good for her. Four years, she just blew up. She is this 29-year-old financial expert, and she has a really great podcast, really great book. I listened to her book over the weekend as I was like cleaning and listening to it in two times the speed because that's just who I am. And she 
I felt very validated by something she said on her podcast, just about like, I think she was talking about lessons learned. And she just said, entrepreneurship is fucking hard. Like it's so glamorized. Yes. Grateful to like be in this position. And she was talking about how like, she's so successful and like, it's still fucking hard. And she still has times where there's so much anxiety and so much of like not knowing how things are going to pan out or like having cash flow issues and things. And hearing that from someone who has a multiple seven figure business, like really made me feel seen. Um, I see her as someone that's like steps ahead of me as an entrepreneur. And I'm like, Oh, you're even feeling this. Like, thank God. I'm like supposed to have all this shit figured out. And like, in some ways being an entrepreneur is glamorous. Like there's a lot of perks, but I don't think we talk enough about how fucking hard it is. And it's been, it's always been a roller coaster of hard, but I feel like the last couple of months I've felt like some more lows than highs at times. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Anyway, that's, that's my context of this episode. What's yours? I'm here for it. I, uh, this week in particular has felt like a little bit of whiplash of feeling a lot of really high highs and also having to make some really hard decisions. And I think some of this comes from uh, having multiple revenue streams, having multiple businesses. So like eating expeditions, like super high this week, but then there was something that happened in my design studio that like sucks. And I'm having to send a hard email and like, I don't, I, that I literally was like, I don't want to be the boss this week. I don't want to be the boss this week. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm hosting a trip to Italy. I do want to be the boss for the eating expedition. I just don't want to be the boss. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, how like- I feel, that's how I feel about weight inclusive innovators. I'm like, yay, we get to record the pod. We have a cool group in the accountability club. We're figuring out how to monetize more. We're going to get sponsors. Yay, 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 yay. And like you and I collaborate together so well. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, nourish Colorado this week or like, you know, and values driven group is pretty, um, pretty Pretty chill. Like I love all my business coaching clients and it's so, it's so chill over there. Um, but yeah, it's just funny how you can be excited about one thing, but then also at nourished, I feel like a ton of high highs too. So that's confusing when that's happening at the same time. Right. I know I was thinking of, well, first of all, I think that's probably why another reason we love being multi-pasture entrepreneurs is because when something like shit hits the fan in one of them, we're like, well, look at this other thing that's like doing great. And it feels really I will just avoid this one. Exactly. And focus on this. It's great. Exactly. And so, you know, I feel like I mentioned, I feel like I've been having like whiplash all week. And we kind of mentioned this on the podcast last week or two weeks ago that it also ebbs and flows throughout the day. Entrepreneurship is the double-edged sword that gives us so much freedom and joy and opportunity and sometimes can feel like a box, like trapped in a box when the hard things are happening. Like, I feel like I get pushed into a corner sometimes and there's just so much hyper-focus on the glamorization of see a day in the life of me waking up at noon, working for two hours, making $100,000 and then going back to bed. And also watch me do this Amazon haul where I just spend a shit ton of money at a company that I don't care about. And you're going to buy my affiliate links. And that's how I made a hundred thousand dollars. It's just like, that seems so glamorous. It seems, yeah, it does seem really glamorous. I also, part of it is tough. And this goes back to the ebbs and flows of there are days that I love the ability to like call all the shots and be so in charge of my ability to run a business. Like that feels really empowering and really validating. 
And then I remember that, oh shit, I am literally the one that has to call out the shots. This is not like what I was doing whenever I was working for a company and I had a manager who had a manager who had a manager and there's the C-suite up at the top that's making all the decisions and it like trickles down eventually to me. And I'm like given like some goals to work on. Like as the CEO, as the business owner, as the entrepreneur, like we're in charge of calling those shots. And some days I love it. And other days I'm like, who the fuck put me in charge of doing this? Like, why am I the one making these decisions? Yeah. Yes. I think anything worth doing in life has both sides, the whole spectrum of emotion of like, Mm -hmm. it has to be good. And it's fucking hard. Like I think about falling in love and having friendships and like the good doesn't come without the hard. Like you don't get to do both or you don't, you have to do both. You don't get to just do one. Same with entrepreneurship. Um, and that's all. I will say I am very thankful to have folks like you in my life. A good chunk of my friends are also entrepreneurs and it is so helpful to have people in my life that are also running a business are also the CEOs are also having to make decisions to be able to like vent and process with. I think it would be really hard to be the only entrepreneur and like my family friend group et cetera, because it's just, it's a different world that unless you're in it, you really wouldn't understand it. Not to make that sound like exclusive or whatever, but I mean, the number of times that you and I like do check-ins of just like needing to vent and we know each other's businesses so intimately too, right? Like we, we truly share a lot of information with each other. Um, in, in terms of just like supporting each other of like, this is my pain point. This is my sticking point. This is where I'm frustrated. And being able to just like talk through that with each other is so helpful. And so even though there are a lot of not glamorous sides to this, having that community to be able to like process through that would 10 out of 10 recommend. Yes. Find yourself a business bestie. Absolutely. I I appreciate you saying the part about like, this is important and it's not exclusionary. It's kind of like when we're talking about weight inclusive care and the people who get it, get it. And the people who don't, even if they want to get it, like they still have to do their own work. It's just a different space that has a ton of nuance and details. And you're the one putting your skin on the line and there's nothing else like that if you're not in it. And so it's just like being able to relate. When was the first time that you vividly remember having an I don't want to be the boss moment? Mm-hmm. How far into business were you? <laughs> I think it kind of aligns. Well, one thing everybody should know about me is my memory is terrible, but. So is mine. <laughs> <laughs> my, yeah, my like short-term memory is like not, not great, but yes. Anyway. If I had to guess, it would probably be three years in. And kind of aligning with what we said when we can lose momentum or we get a little burnt out or we need to fall back into it with our business. Like the three-year mark is when I start feeling like, uh, I don't want to be the boss. Whether I might be feeling resentful, I might be feeling overwhelmed, I might be feeling stressed, I might be like, I just need to tap out for a moment. I think that three-year mark. So I'm going to say three-year mark because that was really when the group practice started taking off. 
Um, and so then it's like, is it actual time or is it just because there was a change in circumstance? Because Mm. my solo practice was going along just fine. Like I could have kept doing that and some people should, and that's really fulfilling. Um, but I didn't want to see so many clients anymore. Yeah. Well, I think there's a threshold too, right? Because it's not to say that there wasn't any parts of those first three years of your business that weren't hard. Cause I, I'm sure there were things that were hard. I think it, it kind of goes beyond the like, oh, this is just hard and uncomfy to like, what the actual fuck am I supposed to be doing? Like, (laughs) how do I make this decision? I've never had to think about this before. I've never been in this situation before. Um, How am I going to do do this? Yes. How's, how am I going to make this happen? Yeah. And I think my first one, my first kind of like, I don't want to be the boss moment, which I didn't call it back then. This is totally your phrasing. And I absolutely love it because I think it just nails it so perfectly of like, I want to continue to run my company. I just don't want to be the boss today. <laughs> um, I, uh, I think my first one was whenever I had a design client ghost me. Mm-hmm. And I had already done a lot of the work and hadn't received full payment for it and was like, how the fuck am I supposed to do this? Like our space is like, well, there's a lot of us in the space. Like it's also a pretty small space. I have a very niche market. People talk like it, it, um, it felt like one of those moments where I'm like, <laughs> looking back on it, I'm like, do I need to hire like a PR person? <laughs> Like, that's what I felt like I needed was like a PR person of like, I don't want to be, I want to outsource this. I want to outsource the communication of this. I don't want to be perceived as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I just, I wanted to ask that question because I think it, it can kind of lead us into just naming some of the hardest things that we've had to do as entrepreneurs. And this isn't to say like, if you're, if you haven't had it, I don't want to be the boss woman yet chances are you're probably going to have one eventually. Um, Kind of like going back to the flops, right? Like if you don't get to one of those moments, you're probably not like stretching yourself enough as an entrepreneur. Hot take. Yep. Hot take. But for people who have either like gone through these things, we hope that you feel validated. Or if you are still in like the bright eyed, bushy tailed kind of like first few years of entrepreneurship where like the optimism truly is carrying you through, like, just know, like, there are going to be moments in your entrepreneurship journey that, like, you're going to have to do really tough shit. And you're going to be like, I don't want to be the boss today. Yep. Um, And you get micro moments of that too, where it's just like, I feel like doing anything else but working. And I want to go play outside or I want to do X, Y, and Z. I don't want to be the boss today. Go reference our eating the frog episode. Feel yes. Like there's some similarities with that. Yes. But then there's like the, remember the episode where I talked about somebody barricading themselves in, in our suite and saying they had a gun and that was a major, I don't want to be the boss today because I'm the one that has to deal with this. Yeah. And so the spectrum is wide. Some people have more tolerance than others. And we wanted to talk through some, some bigger moments in our journeys where we're like, this is hard and I don't want to do it. And why is nobody talking about this? One other thing before we dive into that is I just want to say, sometimes I wonder if there could be this fear. And as I'm talking it out, I'm like, I don't know, is losing or becoming discredited by talking about hard things as an entrepreneur, if I'm doing business coaching, like that's one thing that's mm. in, in my head sometimes of like, if I talk about how things are hard at the group practice this week, like, what will that mean about people's trust in me as a business coach. 
And as I'm saying it, I'm like, I feel like I'd be less credited if they were like, everything's perfect. Everything's fine. My thing runs like a, a smooth machine, which is true a lot of the time. But then there are still moments where I'm like, what the fuck? And yeah, but we so- don't, we don't live in a vacuum. Like there are always going to be external forces impacting our business that yeah, like yeah. we don't have control over a lot of the time. And so if someone was like, I've done everything right and checked all these boxes and all this, I'd be like, fuck you. I don't want to work with you. Like my business is not that way. Like, and I am so thankful it's not because kind of like what you said, like without the tough, without the hard, you don't know the good. You don't know the fulfilling. You don't know the joy that being an entrepreneur can bring. And you don't learn. You don't learn through the moments where you are successful (laughs) or where things are easy, where it's hard as brick. Yep. Yep. So we have, we kind of just like threw together a little list of like hard things that we've done as an entrepreneur. I'm doing a brief little like reflection of these and pretty much all of these, except for maybe like hustling to grow a business, which is more in like the beginning stages, at least in my mind, a lot of these things have to do with letting go of control of your business. And a lot of them have to do with other people, which and other people that's what, <laughs> yeah, makes things complicated. Tie that into it. Um, yeah. Having other people, which like is a natural part of growth. You were not a superhuman. If you want your business to grow, you cannot do this all yourself. You are going to have to delegate, outsource, hire, fire, manage, provide feedback, like everything. Yeah. And that's associating the people like with your business. What about the people you're serving? Like clients, customers, like that involves people too. And there can be hardship in that. We'll start with hiring. Hiring is always fucking hard because it's vulnerable to let somebody in, wonder what their clinical work is going to be like, hope that you can fill up their caseload, hope that there's not a ton of burning through clients and wondering if your business is going to hold being able to pay them while you wait to be reimbursed from insurance. Like it's always hard. And remember, we're just talking about the hard parts today. There's a lot of awesome parts about that too, but nobody talks about when you hire and expand, then like there's a shit storm to come for the first three to six months. Yeah. Little disclaimer. We're just going to be like Debbie Downers for the next little bit talking about the hard parts. We're not going to be like, this is hard, but also like, yes, there is like, we're going to have to do our best to like, (laughs) not be Enneagram 7. Yeah. Not be our, our naturally optimistic selves. Hiring is hard. I, uh, uh, there's a whole episode on it. I hired a virtual assistant, gave them everything they needed in terms of like password, scope of work, all of that. And then a couple of days they were like, this isn't for me. No, thanks. Yep. It do be like that. I haven't had that experience yet, but I've had people who I've hired and they leave after a year, um, which again is part of it. I've had people I hired who underperform. I've had people who hired who do a subpar job and that's just all part of the risk. And there's a lot of pain points with all of that. And then what can happen after that is sometimes you have to fire people and that's not my favorite. And I really try to not do that, but it's part of someone before. I have not directly fired someone. I have helped people leave my practice. And I think that's the best way to do it. Of kind of like mutual conversation of like, you're not performing well. They're kind of being like, I don't really want to be here anyway. I mean, like, great. What do we need to do to like offboard you? Yep. 
awkward yep. versus firing. Yes. And there's also like, it does, it's not that intense always either. Sometimes it's like someone's moving out of state and mm. our, I don't want our business to support out of state right now because there's different laws and tax implications and things. And it's just objective, but it's still hard having those conversations and being like, you can't stay here. I have never fired someone before. At least I don't think I have not in my like full-time entrepreneurship journey. And I don't think I have in the past either. I am terrified of having to fire someone. Yeah. I think I almost got fired though. So I kind of know what it's like to be on the other side. So (laughs) I have helped many group practice owners fire people, different, different Mm -hmm. positions and different things, which is funny because it's like, my favorite thing is to have people leave first. Um, And I think it's, it's hard too, because you can be in, and I've seen people be in positions where they can't wait for that. Like they have to fire and that's hard. That's very hard. It's more of like an abrupt hard versus like a slow burn hard. Trickle transition out. Yeah. Yeah. There is the saying of hire slow, fire fast for a reason. Mm, That's a good thing. And I mean, hiring and firing are both part of the hards of managing people. Like that's part of managing people and managing people is a very broad category, but that's the hardest shit all the time for me as an entrepreneur, because my desire is independence, freedom, doing what I want when I want. And when you have a business that involves other people, which is many, many businesses, um, there's some solopreneurs out there, but even if you're a solo private practice, you still probably have an admin, a biller, maybe, or maybe you do it all. Or your clients, your clients and your clients, families and your client support system and the clinicians that you're collaborating with. Yep. Yep. So managing people again, there's good parts. We ain't talking about those today. It's fucking hard because you disappoint people. You have to correct their mistakes. You have to correct your own mistakes in regards to how you communicate with people. And you are responsible for the wellness of other people in a lot of ways. And that's a big responsibility. Me as a boss, quote unquote boss, I guess boss, I have two, I have an assistant designer and a virtual assistant. I am very much the like Amy Poehler and mean girls of like, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom because (laughs) I just want my people to think that like, I have my shit together and all of that. Uh, I have my shit together. I'm able to provide a like happy, kind, fun workplace. And I have such a hard time giving that, giving feedback and providing feedback whenever I'm having to correct mistakes. Mm-hmm. Usually I, I'm pretty quick to own up to my mistakes. Nothing. It's, it's like receiving feedback from others is hard, but I also, I optimistic self, I always try to think like, how lucky am I that they felt comfortable enough coming to talk to me about this and having an open conversation. Yep. But yeah, it's really hard for me to like provide feedback to others, but it's gotten better as I've had dietetic interns. I kind of get to like, this might sound really bad, but I get to like practice on them of giving them feedback uh, because they're also, I know they're in a position where they're just like absorbing information and wanting to learn all the time. And so getting to provide that feedback, I feel like it's kind of like a, a free pass to be able to like test out different ways and communication styles of giving them feedback. That's exactly right. Um, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I did not know that was Amy Poehler, who was the mom and Mean Girls. And it totally now is clicking in my head. 
<laughs> Love that realization. You're going to have to go watch Mean Girls this week. I am going to be laying in bed later tonight and be like, how did I not realize this? Yeah. Um, it was Amy Poehler and Tina Fey are both in it because Tina Fey is the <gasps> teacher. You're right. <laughs> oh my God. I need to go rewatch this. What an iconic staff. Go rewatch it. You know what I've learned? My hot what? take about leadership and people pleasing. Hmm. People pleasing is the direct killer of respect from your team. Oh, okay. People pleasing is the direct killer of respect. I'm working on the wording, obviously, because that sounds very intense. But no, no, but it makes sense because like if you're doing everything that you can to bend over backwards and attempts to please them. You kind of lose some street cred in your ability to like lead. Well, and when we people please, it's not the same thing as serving and working with your team to find a solution together. If there is one, it's I'm going to cross my own boundaries to try to make you happy and people feel that. And it also creates a lot of murkiness and resentment resentment. Yes. Because nothing's clear when you're trying to people, please. It's always like, maybe, 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 maybe when there maybe isn't a solution. Mm -hmm. This next hardest thing that we've done as entrepreneurs feels like I am still in this. This feels like the hardest, one of the hardest things that I've done and continue to do as an entrepreneur. And that is hustling to grow a business. I left my corporate job a little earlier than I was expecting because I was on a pip and then I couldn't take it anymore and left. And that's a story that I'm sure I've told probably in my business story. Um, I talked about it before. And so I left earlier than I wanted to with not as much cash shaved up as I wanted to with not as much revenue that I had made in my design business as I wanted to. And I have made it work the last two and a half years. And just doing design work has not financially provided for me in a way that I wanted it to and need it to. And so having low profits, having, or not even low profits, low revenue, low, like scary cash flow moments, um, which I know you've experienced on like a whole different type of business, but having lower revenue, having such inconsistency month to month with revenue and therefore with what I'm paying myself is, uh, is exhausting. It keeps you up at night. Anxiety. It keeps me up at night. I, it used to keep me up a lot more. I've done a lot of work around the mindsets and the stories that I tell myself and, um, have gotten anxiety medication and like, that's all been really helpful but it truly, it makes me wonder, like, I would really like to meet an entrepreneur that doesn't have anxiety. Let me rephrase <laughs> that. I'd love to meet a CEO of a business that's having to call the shots that doesn't have some form of anxiety uh, and stress because like, I just don't even think it's possible. I don't think it is either. There's always a low level hum of anxiety, stress, because you're taking risk. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. And there's uncertainty. What has been hard about hustling to grow a business for you? Um, a lot. The months January through March. <laughs> because of insurance cash flow. Yes. Um, that's the hard thing. I mean, it's no secret that 
I do group practice coaching and I run my own group practice and I've helped over 30 other group practices and help week to week still um, figure out cash flow, like knowing the numbers, knowing how insurance works, all of that. It's still every fucking January through March. I lose my shit because I'm like, are we, we have a nest egg for this reason. And I hate draining the nest egg. And it's really anxiety provoking, wondering if the cash is going to come and then trying to hire more people on the team. Um, it's, it's very expensive to hire and it's very expensive to go without being paid. And in order to build up that cash, like you have to have people bringing in revenue and like being able to do that. And it's just like cash flow is the number one cause of stress outside of managing people. And it's usually correlated. Right. Um, and I don't think there's avoiding it. And some moments are very abundant where it's like, oh, okay, nest eggs built back up. There's overflow. This is great. We can hire another person. Like, but having to learn and the only way to learn and go through it is by going through it, that mm-hmm. everything is cyclical and being able to tolerate the hard parts. Like that's, that's the hard shit. And I can sit here all day and be like, yeah, just learn to tolerate the hard parts. But when you're in it, like when I'm in January and March, I am like internal scream. It's always hindsight 2020. Yeah. Like when you're like feeling good about the business, you're like, oh yeah, I've been through that. I've got that. I can do it. And then like something else happens and you're like, why does this suck so much? And I don't think there's a point of arrival where you ever feel completely like I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Because that's how business works. It's not a guarantee there's ebbs and flows and you got to tolerate it. And it's hard. It's fucking hard. It's one of the hardest things. So in that process of anxiety, thinking about money, trying to control things I can't control, riding the wave, like I run myself into the ground and I run on fumes sometimes. And this is where like circling back to the beginning of the episode where I'm like, I'm feeling so good. Ideal schedule. I only want to work six to seven hours a day. That is because I spent many years not doing that. And now the business is at a point where it's like, I have to figure out how to do this if I want to keep doing this. Because the hard part of being an entrepreneur is you don't go to a nine to five and then get to shut off at the end of the day and be like, hmm, what's for dinner? What do I feel like making? I have energy. Let me go do this thing. It's like, no, I am either crispy, like laying on the floor. I am ordering takeout, which love that for me. Um, Luckily now I have a partner who cooks and it's great. Um, But I also want to be the person who has energy outside of work to live my life because what else are we doing all this for? Like, I think there is a moment of time where if people are pushing hard, like they do run themselves into the ground, but you can't stay there. And once you figure out that's happening, you have to figure out how to not do that. I do think you end up there when you're hustling. And that's a hard part of entrepreneurs when there's so much opportunity for growth, for revenue, for profit. It's very easy to fall into that. Like I have to hustle. I need this until you like hit your capacity and can't. Yeah. I, I know we've talked about this before because like you and I are so similar in so many ways. And this is the one that we differ quite a bit on of, I have always been, and, and this is, I'm just speaking of like, since I've worked for myself full time, mm-hmm. I feel like I have been very cognizant of not hustling too hard as a way to avoid burnout and honestly give like a middle finger to hustle culture. And so I, there are times where I have worked more during one week than the other. I don't think that I would ever, I don't think I can say like I've run myself into the ground. Like that doesn't feel like an accurate statement. 
but equally problematic, I'm an avoider. I avoid mm. things. And it was like what I was texting you early this week, earlier this week, where I was like, I'm just going to choose to believe that if this stuff is hard, it means something really good is coming. Or if I'm having to spend this money, something good is coming and it coming. And it's like optimistic to a fault and a little delusional. Delulu. Delulu. That's the word on TikTok these days. You're acting a little delulu. And that's how I feel. And that's how I function, have functioned for the last two and a half years. And it also goes back to like, I have functioned solely based on feelings and not really a lot of data for the Mm. last two and a half years either, which also doesn't feel good. You know, what's wild is I have taken the Enneagram test a couple times in the last several months. I'm still a seven. My wing has majorly changed. Mm. And I used to think, so I was a seven wing six, which is the enthusiast with the loyalist, which meant highly anxious, highly loyal of like, I will do anything to protect these people, a little defensive. Um, I am a full on switched over to an eight wing right now. And I think part of that is I'm having to take action and be direct. And like, I'm a little aggressive rather than defensive, which I find obnoxious in myself, to be honest, um, can, can relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like I'm so not delusional, but almost to a a fault of like overanalyzing, over anxious, trying to take too much action, running myself into the ground. And I feel like that's some eight shit, which is interesting because you also have an eight wing, but I wonder if maybe you're going more over to a six. I don't know. Or maybe just balance seven. Or it could be the stress of going to a one. Oh, but I don't feel like ones are avoidant or Delulu. A little. Yeah. Like with like the perfectionism piece of it. I don't know. I truly, I feel like I've been in a very like happy, solid seven place. Cause I mean, even with like the eight wing, I feel like I tend to only go to the eight wing with some business related things, like not in my day-to-day life. Like as like a friend and human that is not wearing their entrepreneur hat, I'm very much like a solid seven. I like well, singles, I- just want to have fun, like on the rag. I just want to have fun. I just want to have a fun life. I know. Well, that's where the seven thing is interesting too, because I feel like fun and independence are two big things. And I feel like I also lean towards fun and joy, but I strongly feel a sense of like wanting to be independent and not mm. have to rely on me, which is hilarious when you have a group practice. <laughs> All that to say is, I'm feeling like my aggression opposite side of avoidance is here. And that's what runs me into the ground sometimes. So we say all this just to let you know, we're Delulu. Sometimes we're not Delulu about how entrepreneurship actually works. And it's not all shiny. It's really hard. We are not trying to paint a picture of like our lives are perfect and everything is good all the time. We're just being real with you. And we hope that you're feeling some commiseration if you're in a moment of things are hard and you want to like wow 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 like somebody was saying in our accountability club and like throw a little tantrum and just like move through the stress cycle with this um you're not stuck here it's not always going to feel like this it could feel like this often though and don't forget the highs are high too the highs are high too we hope that you never view our podcast as the highlight reel of entrepreneurship because 
for everything that you see online, not necessarily in our businesses, maybe in our businesses, but most people really just like to share the highest of highs, which we do too, but we're also realists when it comes to there's some hard pieces about being an entrepreneur. And if you are feeling that this journey of being an entrepreneur is hard, know that you are in the right place and you're with good company. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast and add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review. Share with a business bestie to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. We'll see you next week. Bye everyone.